This is an ABC podcast. When they start experiencing like symptoms like this and when they want to like, the boyfriends are usually the ones, I mean, they go like, you check yourself, you must be the one doing something behind my back. Compared to other young women who are confident and all that, sometimes, you know, young women with STIs can be not confident in, in themselves. Chlamydia is on the rise because this is one of those STIs that we don't really test for. It's a silent epidemic in the Pacific today. Girls are twice as likely as boys to suffer from it, and in extreme cases, die, because cultural taboos prevent them from speaking up and seeking treatment. I'm talking about sexually transmitted infections, particularly chlamydia, which is on the rise in the Pacific region. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about chlamydia in the Pacific. You might remember back in February, I spoke to Renata Rem from the UNAIDS Pacific Office in Suva, Fiji, about the prevalence of HIV and other sexually transmitted illnesses in the Pacific. In the Pacific Island countries, we suffer from a high burden of sexually transmitted infections. But the prevalence and incidence of STIs in individual cases over time are not very well known. And um, it's important to really note that the Pacific has like an uncontrolled STI epidemic. We mostly focused on HIV in that discussion with Renata. But I want to know what's going on with other STIs, particularly with chlamydia, which is new to myself. Women and girls are much more likely to suffer and they can carry a lot of shame as a result. So I've asked a young woman to fill me in who has spoken to experts and people working in the communities, Melissa Macon, and she is the producer here at Sisters Let's Talk. Mel, what have you found out and what's going on? Bulavanaka, Hilda, thank you. Look, I've spoken to Dr. Dashika Anshu Balak. She's the Senior Health Medical Officer at the Central Eastern Sexual and Reproductive Health Clinic within the Fiji Ministry of Health. Um, and she explained what chlamydia is. Here's what she said. Basically, chlamydia is an STI, a sexually transmitted infection. Uh, it is caused by a bacteria known as chlamydia trachomatis. Uh, chlamydia is actually one of those notorious STIs, which is very hard to diagnose uh, because we know that most of the population are asymptomatic. If they do present with any symptoms, the symptoms will be suggestive of discharge from their um, genital areas. They may have some uh, itchiness or burning sensation as well. Uh, They may also present with lower abdominal pain. They can also have bleeding in between sexual intercourse. And if it is asymptomatic, what does that mean for people who are sexually active? It's basically spreading because people don't realise they have it. So among young people um, who are sexually active, like the risk of chlamydia, um, you know, probably won't be front of mind for them because they don't have any any symptoms. So it's it's spreading really fast. Uh, Dr. Dashika told me that because it is such a big problem, not only in Fiji, but across the whole Pacific region, they just have to kind of assume that everyone has it. 
it is one of those notorious infections apart from Neisseria gonorrhea. And that's why, you know, when we treat, we apply the syndromic approach, where, as we say, anyone coming with, with any kind of discharge from their genital areas, which include, you know, the vagina, the penis of the male and the rectum or anal region for both male and female, any kind of discharge, we will automatically treat them for uh, gonorrhea and chlamydia. What about you know individuals? How can they take steps to try to prevent the spread of uh, chlamydia? You know, it, it's one of those things like many other sexually transmitted infections that can really just be controlled by you wearing condoms. Um, you know, there are male and female condoms and they are available. And it's one of those things that is so common sense, but it's tied up in so many issues that, you know, see young people not using them basically. So I guess, you know, wearing condoms is one of the basic things you can do to control the spread. And also listen to, you know, health awareness and advice coming from health workers is is also very important here. And how is uh, chlamydia treated, Mel? The treatment for chlamydia is pretty simple. It's just a course of oral antibiotics and it can be quite effective really just with the antibiotics. It's highly treatable if, um, you know, women and girls and their partners and boys jump on this fast. You know, it doesn't have to be a serious illness. Mm. And um, so how are STIs like chlamydia impacting uh, especially women in the Pacific? Yeah, it impacts women in a few different ways. Um, I'll tell you more about the problems with, you know, things like cultural stigma soon. But Dashika told me about a couple of studies that have been done in Fiji, um, and particularly they focused on women and chlamydia. Yeah, I mean, we've had some recent studies that were done on chlamydia in in country. So this was done amongst the antenatal uh, mothers between ages of 18 to 29 years, where we found that the overall prevalence of uh, chlamydia was 34%. But one of the most interesting bits that we found was that chlamydia was more prevalent among the younger, so less than 25 years age group as compared to the older female who were enrolled in the study. The second study also had similar results, but the study also analyzed, you know, behavior. So behavior was one of the components of the study. And so therefore, uh, this study was able to identify some risk indicators for the infection. But they did a sampling of uh, women between 18 to 40 years of age. They found out that about 30 to 36 percent of chlamydia was prevalent and 80 percent who were diagnosed with chlamydia were actually asymptomatic. Did she tell you why it's impacting younger women? She pinpointed a few ideas for us. I guess one of the things is that, you know, they are single. You know, so they have multiple sexual partners. Condom use is very low, especially among young people. Uh, And also they have, you know, other STIs which are co-infected with chlamydia, so which, you know, increases the risk of you getting chlamydia as well. I mean, honestly, I can't really definitely say if it is on the rise, but Mm. if we look at the numbers that we get from the studies and we look at the burden of asymptomatic patients that we get into the clinic, and also, you know, the number of patients who come with a lot of discharge syndromes, uh, yes, I could say that uh, chlamydia is on the rise because this is one of those... um, those STIs that we don't really um, test for, as I've said, is just presumptively treated, but 
uh, no testing is done. So she also said that there is a link with other risky behaviours um, and that's driving up these rates of chlamydia among young people uh, because, of course, young people are more likely to engage with risk-taking behaviours. Mm. So some of these include, um, Hilda, you know, behaviours such as dr- binge drinking, recreational drug use, um, and that can just sometimes compromise decision-making for young people. Um, you know, they might not particularly be thinking about, you know, oh, am I having safe sex? Absolutely. Because I'm not even, you know, really thinking clearly at the moment because I'm under the influence of so much alcohol. It's really interesting conversation. And uh, Dashika uh, said they don't test for chlamydia. Is testing and treatment very accessible for people in Fiji? So, yeah, so this is something I did ask Dashika about. I was particularly interested in whether, um, you know, it is an issue with pain for treatment for women and girls. If we look at the health sector side, then treatment for chlamydia is accessible in all health facilities, which is free of charge. Even though I said that we don't do testing for chlamydia, but like, you know, we have certain groups who come and do certain studies at certain sites. So all these studies are also free of charge for the patients. But when we look at the patient side of uh, accessibility, yes, there are issues. One is finance, of course, because most of these uh, people who who present with STIs come from a very low income uh, background. Uh, Also, they have some social and cultural barriers as well, because, you know, young girls are not let out of the house that easily if they want to go and access any services, you know, usually um, if they are a minority, uh, a parent or a guardian usually wants to accompany them. So that inhibits them from accessing services. Also, uh, geographical location. As you know that we have some islands which are in the maritime or very far widespread, so accessibility does become an issue to them because their nearest health facility may be, you know, a couple of hours boat ride away. Just listening to Dr. Dashika, it's, I guess, the same kind of challenges, health challenges that are faced by not only in Fiji but elsewhere. And I come from Papua New Guinea and I believe it's the same challenges faced there as well. Um, Mel, how are they talking to young people about this? Because there's still a lot of stigma attached to discussing STIs. Yeah, that is true. And, you know, like you said about Papua New Guinea, we, you know, we've discussed this before on the program, issues around um, sexual reproductive health. Those sorts of issues are very taboo in a lot of Pacific Island countries and cultures. So it's it's just it's very difficult for young women to talk about their symptoms. Like Dashika said, it might be hard for them to just leave the house and go to the shops and buy condoms because, you know, they might need to be accompanied by someone. So there's a lot of fear, of course, around seeking medical help. In a moment, yeah, I'll introduce you to a woman in PNG um, who's doing a lot to help people fight that stigma. Um, But uh, yeah, there's definitely a big push from the Fiji Ministry of Health as well. At the ministry, we we have recognised that STI is one of those areas that needs to be prioritised in the country. What we think is that we need to reach young people more. So, you know, innovative ways of reaching young people nowadays is mostly using social media. So we are trying our best to reach out people via social media. Also having, you know, our campaigns, testing campaigns, and also having our good communication. So using media, so such as radio channels, uh, televisions to uh, provide awareness and advocacy on STIs, uh, including chlamydia as well. Uh, because this is one thing that we find that knowledge 
is still lacking and young people especially need to know you know about their sexual health and what services are provided and where they can access these services and also just to identifying their risks and signs and symptoms of certain STIs that they can have or they are having currently and the consequences of these STIs. Thanks, Mel. Uh, that was uh, Dr. Dashika Ansu Balak, who is the Senior Medical Officer and in charge of the Central Eastern Sexual and Reproductive Health Clinic at the Fiji Ministry of Health. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. When we spoke to Renata Rem from UNAIDS, uh, she said that a lot of the Pacific programs to prevent and control STIs have ended. So under previous uh, regional HIV and STI funding, there was a comprehensive comedia and STI control programs which were being implemented regionally and which has not been sustained beyond 2014. Donor priorities in the Pacific have shifted to other emerging issues without fully addressing the HIV and STI situation in the Pacific. And there are indications that a comprehensive um, STI control responses have lost the required momentum. It's a real shame, Hilda, because, you know, it was something that used to work and was really effective for people who needed that help. um, And now it's not there. But Some people have actually taken it upon themselves to fill that gap left by programs, you know, to prevent and control STIs. Primrose Famane from East New Britain province is working at the grassroots level and she's teaching both boys and girls about sexual health, um, which is not an easy thing to do in PNG, as you'd know. Because it's a cultural taboo to talk about like sexual things in public and all that. Most of them are suffering from it silently. But like slowly they're coming out since um, we've been doing like awareness and all that. Like we've, we've had some students and young girls coming out talking about this issue. But um, I think for seeking treatments like on their own, I mean, especially if young women are married, when they start experiencing like symptoms like this and when they want to like bring their husbands or boyfriends along, the boyfriends are usually the ones, I mean, they go like, you check yourself, you must be the one doing something behind my back and you got that and all that. And it's not just a challenge to discuss safe sex and STIs as a couple. It's really not something people can talk about easily in public, you know, at all in PNG. I mean, in the town area, like people living in the urban area, it's, it's a bit okay for them because they are open-minded. The ones that really need this are outside in the remote places. And when we go into remote places, their mindset is like it's, it's culturally oriented. Yeah. So they, they're not really open-minded. They are not really like perceptive law to get what we're trying to say. Because when we want to talk about like sexual reproductive health, we want to talk about STIs and all that. They're like, no, it's a taboo. You cannot talk about that here. You cannot talk about that in, like, in a public setting. You have to like bring the girls across like to themselves. So that is how we... Um, run our awareness with the girls separately and then the men separately. It's like an attitude with the PNG males that anything, all things sexual, anything that is, um, it's always the women to blame, yeah. So because we are a like male-dominated um, society, everything that goes wrong, like in the family or anything that goes wrong like sexually, it's, it's always the female that they are taking the blame and all that. So when seeking treatment, so they'll be like, oh, you, you go get treatment. You're the one that's affected. Well, the guys will have to get treated as well because they want to 
like if the women gets treated and the man is not treated and then when she comes back and they have sex again she's reinfected and all that so i think our um yeah our men have to be more open-minded regarding this um issue Mm. The gender dynamics are really challenging um, and it's a, it's a challenge even more so because sometimes talking so openly about sex, even in the context of safe sex and STIs, um, can mean people like Primrose are targeted. Right now I'm working with volunteers and I think one of the main um, challenges that um, we face is because as I said, I mean, we have a male-dominated culture. And once we females start talking about like sexual like education in public, people start viewing us like from a I don't know like sex object like like viewing us from a perverted point of view. Yeah. So when they start talking to us, they start asking questions, and probably some of the questions are genuine, but some of them are just with really wrong intentions at the back of their head. So that is one of the one of the challenges that us girls will face mostly. It's really quite sad to hear from Primrose that, you know, she's being targeted or health workers are being targeted for just trying to help to save the community and uh, help people do the right thing. Um, With what you've said, how are they actually discussing it? Primrose and her group, they have a partnership with the education department. Um, So they do presentations in schools, um, but sometimes it's formal. Sometimes it's just chatting to students about issues that they're facing. Um, And they also just get kids to do a questionnaire. We talk about STIs. We talk about um, sexual abuse in like students. And we also talk about like gender-based violence and all that. And if they have any issues and all that, that they are not brave enough to come forward and to tell us about it, they just write it and it's anonymous. Or unless they want to write the name, they really want to like seek help and all that, then they just indicate it down there in the questionnaires that we give out. And are they actually seeing any results from the great work they're doing in the communities? Yeah, well, Primrose seems pretty positive. From what I've seen, from the work I do, we're slowly having like guys coming out and seeking treatment. I've also had like, I would say 10, less than 10 guys that actually like came up with their girlfriends to seek treatment on STIs. And that is really, um, that is good because um, normally the guys, they don't accompany the girlfriends to seek like treatments like that. They just send the girlfriends along and the wives alone to the health centers to get um, treatments regarding that. But for my, um, for the youth center alone, I've had, um, I think seven boys and men like who are married that um, came accompanied their girlfriends and wives to get STI treatment. So that is that is after doing awareness and after yeah, doing sexual reproductive health education in the um, communities, we've had that. So I think that is that is a good sign and I believe more, more people are still going to come here. Yeah. And it's really wonderful to hear that because it sounds like, you know, Primrose and her work, it's really cutting through to boys and young men in particular. And it's, you know, it's it's trying to do away with that view that STIs are a girl's, women's problem only. Primrose said that they're also seeing it help people deal with their shame and stigma um, of having an STI, but it's also encouraging people to report abuse. We've, we've had a lot of um, positive feedbacks from the teachers and we've had, like, after doing this um, awareness, we've had a lot of um, young girls that were suffering silently from, like, rape and incest. They actually came out. They came, they approached us to like, yeah, I mean, coming out and exposing and telling us that, oh, yeah, they've been like sexually molested since they were a kid and a kid and all that. And 
yeah, we've had um, people coming out, young, um, especially young girls coming out. And we've also had like students coming forward now to get like STI treatments and all that. At first, they, they are just like suffering silently from it. They are a bit ashamed to come out and say that, oh, I have this to seek medical treatment, especially. And but for now, they're coming out like they see that, oh, we are like young adults working here as well. And we speak like the same language and they think we will understand them better. Yeah, it's just it's just really sad to hear that, you know, girls have to wait, you know, this long to finally get some help and also to to, to hear from primos that they are abused um, and then to wait this long to realize that they really need to get this kind of help. Um, it's, it's really great work that Primos is doing in the communities. Mm, yeah, it is. And at this stage, you know, there aren't other organizations doing what Primrose's team are doing. I think we are the only um, youth organization that is um, right now advocating for that. Um, we do not have any other organization that is um, tackling this issue. And this, it is a really big issue that uh, we believe like should, we should have like probably several organizations or partnership to work with um, in tackling this issue of STIs. Um, another thing that I've also noticed is that in the people living in the rural areas are the ones that are suffering from it, but cannot get help and treatment for it because most of the work is focused in the urban area. And so the ones that are living outside in remote places, they, are, they cannot really access um, proper sexual reproductive health services and all that. Well, because of culture and the clinic and health centers that are situated outside are more focused in just like general health and all that, that they do not have anyone that's that specifically for um, SDI and sexual reproductive health. We will really need to reach out into the remote places as well. That was really, really uh, important, Mel. That was great conversation you had with her and learning a lot. She's one of those champions in the rural communities and to listen to her is really great. Thanks, Mel. Uh, that was uh, Primrose Famane, who runs a sexual health education outreach program in East New Britain province in Papua New Guinea. I have spoken to Aone Tanu Mafili, and she is the HIV and AIDS Capacity Support Officer at the Samoa Ministry of Health. She told me that like PNG, stigma is a big problem for people with chlamydia and other STIs in Samoa. There's still stigma and discrimination attached to these diseases. So uh, it does affect um, treatment as well. Um, young girls and young women coming to um, health care centers for their treatments of these STIs. And that was a problem back before we had a lot of uh, interventions on trying to raise awareness on these diseases. Uh, some of the um, impacts are, uh, you know, to do with health. Anna told me chlamydia can also have an impact on women trying to get pregnant. Uh, it can cause certain cancers as well, and it has a huge impact on women's mental well-being. You know, the studies have shown that it does contribute to um, um, some women having cancer of the cervix and other uh, reproductive organs. And the, the, the confidence of young women to, you know, to enjoy life as, you know, as young women themselves you know once they have a STIs it's kind of like bringing their self-esteem down and feeling that they you know not as you know 
compared to other young women who are confident and all that, you know, sometimes, you know, young women with STIs can be not confident in, in themselves. And on a positive, she said, despite the stigmas, people are actually accessing treatment. Slowly, um, you know, we've seen a lot of young people, both men, young men and young women, coming into the health facilities for the treatments and, 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 and counselling. So, um, um, yes, we do have. We do offer free treatment, free counselling, free services to, to all people who are uh, affected, uh, you know, having an STI. So there's a lot of support for them. Mm. You know, they say prevention is better than cure. Is it important that uh, young people, and especially young women, know about safe sex practices and prevention uh, at a early age? Yes, yes, very um, important um, that they should know that at a very young age. And there's there's already a, a program into that area, like having a comprehensive sexuality um education, be part of the school curriculum. So it's one of the undertakings that the ministry and its partners are, are working on at the moment, but I think it's it's slowly integrating into the school curriculum. So that for that purpose is to raise awareness of young girls on the importance of looking after themselves, the importance of their sexual health and how to prevent themselves from getting these diseases while growing up. So that's one of the undertakings that the ministry and the Ministry of Education are working on. Um, yeah, and we've do uh, we've done a lot of um, community interventions that goes out in programs, uh, health programs that goes out into the community, targeting different sectors of of the community, uh, young men and young women alike, you know, on these issues. So there's a lot of awareness being raised. And there's a lot of a campaign being um, um, done over the years. That's Aone Tanumafili, the HIV and AIDS Capacity Support Officer at the Samoa Ministry of Health. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Samoa, so, that was really educational and um, worthwhile conversations with some of the uh, you know, frontline health workers and experts in this very specific topic of uh, chlamydia in the Pacific. Um, what are some of the way forward, do you think, and from what you have learned and spoken to people on the ground and in these communities? Mm, yeah, well, we've heard from a, a, a range of people on the ground in the Pacific about, you know, the issues affecting women and also some of the solutions you know, and I think it it does start at the grassroots, like Primrose said. You know, it starts with changing minds and starting that education from a really young age. But, you know, one thing that might just be missing from the Pacific region broadly is like a really good public awareness campaign. Um, our executive producer, Inga Stunzner, showed me this old awareness campaign from the 1990s for people in Australia, um, in Australia's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. And maybe you'll remember this if you were in the diaspora in the 90s. Condo man, deadly protector of your sexual health. A shame, he said the S word, sexual. And his sidekick, the deadly slippery sister, Lubilicious. Look, we're not eye candy. We're here to deal with the facts. And the facts are... STIs like gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis and HIV are on the rise in our community. 
<laughs> Condoman. Maybe we need something like this for the next generation of young people, Hilda. Yes, this is this is really an interesting conversation. And from what we've heard from Dr. Dashika, you know, getting young people on social media and getting awareness to young people on social media, that's really a positive step and going forward. Melissa Macon, thanks for filling us in on this very important issue. And um, thanks to our guests today who have discussed uh, what they're doing in the community. Primrose uh, Famane. Dr. Dashika Ansu Balak and Ayone Tanu Mafili. Hopefully the work they are doing in the Pacific can help bring the, this chlamydia epidemic under control. Uh, no one should be suffering in silence uh, when support is available. Thank you so much for joining me. Hilda Wayne for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, catch up on our podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk. I think it's really interesting to see how the boys are considered, you know, oh, you know we're going to look after them, we're going to look, you know, gotta take care of them and feed them and do their laundry for them and... I think that doesn't always end up as positive as people expect because a lot of that filters down into their relationships. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Melissa Macon. Our supervising producer is Kim Lester. Executive producer is Inga Stunzner. Our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Thanks also to Justin Kelly. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. And Tasol na bungimute next time.